Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was your standard blue-collar workday. In at nine, work for eight hours, and out by five. My dad was on his way home to have a standard blue-collar evening, when something not so standard happened. Driving home from work, his car was hit by some douchebag pickup truck driver on the freeway, trying to merge into the fast lane. He merged into my dad instead. My dad's car was sandwiched between this big pickup truck and the concrete divider, and it came out of the accident looking like a Picasso rendering of a meat grinder. My dad fared only slightly better. He broke several ribs, and his left arm looked like it had been run through said cubist meat grinder. The surgeons couldn't save it. My doctors said that my dad was lucky to have lost his left arm since he's right-handed. Lucky, the doctor said. How is it they all have such god-awful bedside manners? My dad had to stay in the hospital a good two months, long enough to rack up a breathtaking amount of debt in the form of medical bills. When my dad finally got out, he was nowhere close to functional. He had a long road of physical therapy and routine hospital visits ahead of him before he could go back to work, assuming there'd even be a job left for him when he'd recovered. He was next to useless around the house. You'd never guess how much you have to use your hand for. Well, damn near everything. What this amounted to was just a giant crock of shit for me, my mom and my sister to deal with on a daily basis. To say nothing of how my dad must have felt. Useless. Powerless. A burden to our family. I'm not telling you all of this to get sympathy. My family and I have had our fill of that. And it doesn't do much for anyone. I'm telling you this so you understand why we were so grateful for it at first. The little wooden box. My dad started seeing a psychiatrist about a month after being released from the hospital. He's not much for getting mental help. One of those guys that seem to think people get fixed the same way cars do. And he doesn't understand why someone just can't take a look under the hood and fix it themselves. But, as he put it, he'd felt too shitty for too long and had to do something about it. His doctor recommended the psychiatrist to him. About the only useful thing that doctor did. 
the psychiatrist, this dweeby guy with an equally dweeby doctor goatee, diagnosed my dad with post-operative depression. Not that terms like that tell you jack shit about what the person's going through. After a couple of unproductive sessions, the psychiatrist decides to try something unorthodox. The psychiatrist takes out this little box made of cedar, pine, and some other light wood. It's small. You could fit a dime store book in there, but not much else. And it's mostly plain. Some modest scroll work in the corners, but little else in the way of decoration. Whenever you feel angry or sad or frustrated, the psychiatrist says, I want you to take some time to yourself, alright? What you're going to do is then take this box. You're going to open it up and stuff all the bad feelings inside. Now you keep doing that until you get all that icky stuff out. And when you've done that, you're going to close that box. You're going to put it away and you're going to focus on getting better until you need the box again. My dad spent a good hour stomping and swearing when he got home from that session. Lots of talk about pretentious medical professionals, wasted money, and some creative ideas for alternate places the psychiatrist could put his little wooden box. Well, I half expected my dad to take out his frustration on the box and break it in two. Once he was done ranting and raving, however... He just set it on a shelf in my parents' room. A week and a half after my dad got the little wooden box, my dad's boss called the house. He told my dad that he had to let my dad go and replace him. In plain terms, my dad was fired. Time is money, as the saying goes, and my dad was taking too much of both to recover. There was no screaming and cursing this time. Getting fired took the fight right out of him. After hanging up the phone, my dad locked himself in my parents' room. My mom and sister tried to get him to come out and talk, but he was having none of it. I almost decided to help, but I figured my dad might have needed a little time to himself. Turns out, I was right. After three hours, my dad comes out of there with the biggest smile I've ever seen, and starts making mac and cheese for dinner. It was an absolute mess. He got flour and dry pasta on every flat surface of the kitchen, and the sauce was full of cheese chunks that he hadn't been able to cut properly. That smile, well, never once left his face. And I'll tell you what, that shitty mac and cheese, well, that was the best dinner I've ever had. It was all thanks to that box. My dad sat down with that thing for three hours, dumped all of his frustration into it, and came out of my parents' room a changed man. After using that box, he wouldn't get discouraged when his missing arm stopped him from doing something. He'd just come back at it with twice the effort, and eventually he'd get done what he wanted to get done. He went to therapy with a smile, came back exhausted but still smiling. And when things got rough, when his job search wasn't going well, 
where the medical bills got too expensive, even if he just had a hard time brushing his teeth, he locked himself in my parents' room with that little box and came out a couple hours later ready to take on the world again. My family and I were grateful for that little wooden box. It was a godsend when we needed one most. It's not the nature of things to just magically get better though, miracle wooden boxes aside. It started with little bumps in the middle of the night, a week or two after my dad used his little box for the first time. Unsettling, but not too worrisome. My sister and I talked about it a little, but when you're talking about it in the middle of the day, you find easy explanations. Older houses crack and pop as they cool off with changes in the weather. These explanations seemed thin when I sat in bed listening to noises that sounded not at all like cracks and pops. But I hung in there and soon they were more of an annoyance than anything else. If it had stopped there, I might have contented myself with that easy explanation. But it did not stop there, however. Bits of our house would go from warm to freezing in seconds. and I'd never known our house to be drafty, so when my mom and sister chalked it up to seams in the house causing drafts, I had a harder time buying it. Now, a little about me. You see, I'm a curious person. I see something I don't understand. I stare at it. I think about it. I poke it. I prod it. Till I do understand. I'm not going to start jumping at shadows for no goddamn reason at all, but if it walks and talks like a duck, well, anyway. So I did a little research. Our house was around a long time before we moved in, so I figured there might be an unpleasant bit of history that could shed some light on what was going on. I went the whole nine, went to the courthouse to get the original permit, asked around the city planning department, I checked newspapers. I expected to find an old owner who died tragically or maybe a dysfunctional family that might have left some bad blood in the house. But instead, I found nothing. Nothing especially dark, at least, or even out of the ordinary. Just the list of previous tenants, and an old article about my neighborhood's construction. The skeptic that I am, I found myself a little disappointed. You see, everybody loves a good ghost story. I let the matter sit for another week or two. My curiosity had not been satisfied, however, and the bumps in the night, the footsteps where there shouldn't have been any, well, they didn't let up. I was forced to consider a possibility I would have preferred to ignore the little wooden box. I was sure it had nothing to do with anything, but I had a hard time convincing myself it was a coincidence that everything started happening after my dad brought it home. I called my dad's psychologist. Hearing that my dad was putting the box to good use put him right over the moon. After he settled down a little, well, I asked him about the box. I expected to hear that he bought it off some seedy vendor or 
found it in the basement of an old mansion. I was disappointed to hear the profoundly mundane explanation that it was a woodworking project given to him by his nephew. Before I called it quits on this little investigation, I wanted to take a look at the box itself. I doubted I'd find anything, but if I didn't take a look, it would have eaten me until I did. My sister said I shouldn't. It was an invasion of my dad's privacy, she said. But I figured what he didn't know wouldn't hurt him. So when my mom took my dad to therapy one day, I decided to check the little box out. The box wasn't hidden or anywhere out of reach. It was just sitting on my dad's bedside table. I wasn't sure what I was looking for exactly. I just wanted to look at it, if nothing else. Hold it in my hands to see if I felt any kind of vibe coming off of it. I picked it up and was immediately struck by its weight. The wood wasn't heavy. I remember my dad waving it around after he first brought it home like it was nothing, but the box felt dense somehow. I tilted the box in my hand. Nothing inside shifted or rolled around as the box moved though. Attempting to curb my curiosity a little, I couldn't completely deny that I was snooping on something personal of my dad's. I ran my hands over the scroll work on the edges of the box, feeling the uneven finish along the sides. There's only so much you could do with an empty box, however, and so I decided to indulge my curiosity a little more, and I opened it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I had barely managed to open it a crack before I heard car doors closing. My parents were home. I hurried to close it and set it back on the table, and threw it into the wall by accident. It seemed half as heavy as it had before, though I had probably just adjusted to its weight. Setting the box down more carefully, I noticed an odd odor in the air. Whatever was in the box smelled like burnt motor oil. I turned on the fan in my parents' room, hoping it would take care of the smell. I dashed into my room as the front door opened, flopped on my bed, and opened up a book. My parents said hi as they headed back to their room and closed their door. Fifteen minutes without incident, I decided I was probably in the clear, and I breathed a sigh of relief. That night, or 
maybe early the next morning, I don't know. I was awakened by an odd noise. These were not new to me at this point, but I felt especially uneasy for some reason. I listened for a moment, hoping I could identify it as something a hundred percent normal. I was somewhat relieved when I recognized it. TV static. Not wanting to add a high electric bill to my parents' long list of worries, I willed myself to shake off my lingering anxiousness and got up to go into the family room and turn it off. Walking into the living room, I saw a figure sitting in a chair in front of the TV. My dad, silhouetted by the static the TV was playing. I asked my dad what he's doing watching static in the middle of the night, and for a moment, he didn't answer. Then, in a tired voice I recognized from the first days after he came home from the hospital, he told me to go back to sleep and to stop bothering him. He picked the remote up off the end table to the left of the chair and turned down the TV a little. I was more than a little curious about the sudden change in his mood from the past few days, but I decided it would be best not to push the issue, and I went back to my room. As I got into my bed, something bizarre occurred to me. When my dad grabbed the remote, I didn't see his shoulders move to reach across to his left. I dismissed it as my half-sleeping brain playing tricks on me and I tried to go back to sleep. As my sister and I got ready for school the next morning, my dad emerged from my parents' room, sleepy-eyed and yawning. My sister asked him if he slept well. He said no, he'd had trouble sleeping. I told him that looking at TV static in the middle of the night wasn't likely to help a bout of insomnia. Maybe not the greatest thing to joke about, but I get pissy when I don't get enough sleep. My dad, well, he looked at me all confused. He asked what the hell I was talking about. I asked him what the hell he was talking about. And again, tact is not my strong suit when I'm tired. Now this carried on for a minute or two before my mom told us both to knock it off. When I'd cooled off a little, it occurred to me that my dad had seemed genuinely confused by my question. He didn't remember me finding him in front of the TV last night. Maybe it was a weird side effect of the billion and one meds he was on. I thought nothing more of it until the week afterward. When I came home to find my sister having an argument with my dad, she was complaining that he had yelled at her from our parents' room to stop making so much noise when she got home. My dad insisted he'd been napping for hours, and she was imagining things. When I walked into the family room, my dad stormed out, complaining about having to deal with this shit after his box broke. I asked him, what was wrong with the box? I tried not to appear nervous, remembering my clumsy handling of it while my mom and dad were away the previous week. My dad said one of the hinges on it was broken, and it wouldn't close all the way. I offered to try to fix the hinge, but my dad about lost his shit, threatening to ground me for half a year if I touched his box. We all stood glaring at each other for a minute, before my dad sighed and left the room. 
he shut himself in my parents' room, probably to use the box. My sister and I decided to focus on our homework until our dad came out. A couple of hours later, he emerged from my parents' room shuffling his feet and acting sorry. He apologized for yelling at us. He still didn't remember hollering at my sister about making noise, but he apologized for it anyway. We said it was okay and went back to our homework. Not wanting to add to the increasing amount of eerie shit going on at our house, we tried again to find easy explanations. People sometimes get forgetful as they age. Hell, I can barely keep my own schedule straight, and I'm supposed to be in the prime of my life. A guy in his mid-forties with all kinds of drugs with unpronounceable names pumping through him all day? Well, things will get forgotten. And that's likely to make a person a little frustrated. It's perfectly natural. Perfectly normal. And this is what my mom told me and my sister when we talked to her about dad forgetting things we had all seen or heard him doing. Neither of us believed it. And our mom knew it. Our mom didn't believe it, and we knew it, but that little box was what kept our dad going. None of us wanted things to go back to the days before the box, so none of us called anyone else out on our little merry-go-round of denial. These slips of memory got increasingly hard to ignore, and were never pleasant. It was always my dad yelling at someone or stomping around upstairs while the rest of us were cooking dinner or watching TV. We did our best not to point out these strange things. We talked about it amongst ourselves, but never in front of our dad. Our dad isn't stupid, though. He could tell that we were keeping things from him. Try as we might, it was too difficult to know what he would and wouldn't remember, and we might occasionally let something slip. When this happened... When any of us received that blank stare that meant we just mentioned something he didn't remember, we did our best to change the subject and keep from bringing it up again. My dad noticed when this happened, and that pissed him off royally. I guess that's where I got my aggressive curiosity. This meant more and more time spent alone with the box to calm himself down. As my dad used the box more and more, however, his memory slips became more and more frequent. He would forget things more and more often, and his mood during these slips would get worse and worse. What started as irritability turned into rage, and eventually, violence. Late one night, my sister woke up to get herself a midnight snack and found our dad standing in the middle of the kitchen with all the lights out staring out of the window into the backyard. She asked him what he was doing. He didn't say anything. She told him to stop scaring her and go back to bed. My dad still didn't say anything, but instead he took a pan from the sink and threw it at her. Thankfully, my sister was able to dodge it and run back to her room, where she cried herself to sleep. Naturally, my dad remembered nothing in the morning. And see, that's where I drew the line. I understood wanting to be considerate and giving my dad some leeway on his road to recovery, but that shit was inexcusable. 
and my family deserved better than this Jekyll and Hyde bullshit. The next time my dad got into one of his moods, well, I'd call him on it. It would get ugly, but it needed to be done. I figured I wouldn't have to wait long. I figured right. The night after I decided I needed to level with my dad about everything, I woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of static from the TV. This would be the third time this month I'd find my dad sitting in the dark in the living room, staring at a dead channel on TV, fighting a growing sense of unease at having to confront my dad. I got up and I went downstairs to the family room. I found him just as I had before, sitting in darkness and silence, apart from the static from the TV. By way of a greeting, I told him he would have trouble getting sleep staring at the TV all night. He told me to mind my own goddamn business and go back to bed. And that sent my politeness right out the window. I told him he had to cut this shit out. He was scaring the hell out of my mom and sister with his behavior, and it was tearing our family apart. He wasn't doing himself any favors either. He just ended up angrier and was relying on that little box more and more. I told him he had to end the vicious cycle here and talk about what was bothering him, like an adult. My dad went silent for a moment. I nearly yelled at him just to say something, anything, when I noticed his shoulders heaving. I thought he might have started crying before I heard it, but he was laughing. The old bastard was laughing at me. I told him that all of the reactions he should have to what I told him, laughter was the least appropriate. My dad got a hold of himself and said I should go get his box for him. We could talk after he spent a little time with it. I figured he was probably stalling, but I went to grab the box anyway. That laugh had severely unnerved me, and I wanted to get out of the room as soon as possible. I walked back upstairs and I opened my parents' door as quietly as I could. My mom is a pretty heavy sleeper and so is my dad, when he's actually sleeping, but, but I didn't want to be careless and wake her up on accident. My eyes hadn't quite adjusted to the dark, not wanting to bash my toes on the furniture in my parents' room. I turned on my phone and used the screen for minimal light. I aimed the weak light at the nightstand and was surprised to see the box with its lid wide open. I walked closer and was hit with a strong odor. Burnt motor oil. I moved to cover my mouth and accidentally shined the phone light on my mom. And my dad. They're both in bed. Sleeping. My dad stirs and mutters something as he rolls over. I stare at my sleeping parents, uncomprehending. I start backing out of the room, shaking my head as if I can make sense of this mess with mindless denial. Backing out of the room, I bump into something behind me. I turn around, and I'm greeted with a nightmare version of my dad. His eyes are bloodshot and glaring at me in abject rage, but they're also watery leaking tears down his contorted face. His mouth is twisted in a grimace of pain. No, of anguish. 
I feel feverish heat rolling off of him, and I'm overwhelmed with the waves of horrible feelings. Anger, depression, pain, exhaustion, it all washes over me and I'm paralyzed by it all. And I can do nothing but gape at this warped twin of my dad. Before I can begin to process the horror standing in front of me, the thing wearing my dad's face pushes me. I fall down the stairs as it looks at me with that horrible mixture of everything awful that a human being can feel. I hit the bottom of the stairs hard enough to knock the wind out of me, and I try to yell for my parents, but I can't get anything louder than a wheeze out. I look around to find something to grab onto and pull myself up, and before I could find anything, I feel myself being lifted by my throat. Already short of breath, I see dark spots appear before my eyes. Before my vision fades completely, I see my nightmare dad's twisted face leering at me as he lifts me into the air with his left arm. His left arm. You see, I look again at the arm that shouldn't be there and see blackened, shriveled skin. What little flesh it had was hanging off in decaying chunks and bones showing through gaps in the skin. My stomach heaves to no avail as my throat is crushed and my lungs burn. As I lose consciousness, a final disturbing thought fires through my dying mind. The thing holding me by the throat this vision of rage and agony and misery that's been haunting my family. I set it free. You don't need to die to leave a ghost. You cram enough suffering into one place, force it from your head and into a plain wooden box for someone to open and unleash on the world, and you'll get a tormented spirit as surely as if you died in a tragic death. Looking at the thing one last time, its face contorted into a mask of misery as it holds me by the throat. I have just enough time to pray that my mom and sister don't have to learn this the hard way.